And so I'm, I'm excited to start this series. I have been, and if I just be honest with you, I've been praying and saying, Lord, uh, I, want, I, want to, I just want to do a series that's, that's different. I want, I want to get out of here, out of this rut, out of this thing where, and, and this is not to no uh, offense to anybody else, but I feel like a lot of times with the church, especially when things happen in society, we will get caught there, right? And we'll get caught there and we'll go back and forth and we'll stay there in that moment. But how many of you know the church is not supposed to be following the trend? We're supposed to be leading, amen? So when they're, they're, the world is at a disarray and there's craziness going around and things are happening and everybody's doing all this crazy out-of-order stuff, then we are, as a people, as the church, as the body of Christ, we are to lead people into a place of faith and trust in the Lord like never before. And so when, when it seems like the world is falling apart, it is the church's job, in my opinion, to create revival. Amen. So when people are depressed and de in despair and they don't know where to go and they don't know what to do and they can't figure out what's going to happen tomorrow, well, we come and say, listen, we know what's going to happen tomorrow. We know who holds tomorrow, and we know that the world is in the hand of the Lord. And so no matter what we're facing today, come on, somebody, y'all going to make me preach to myself this morning, but it's all right. That's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll preach just like y'all ain't in the room. Uh, if, if, listen, here's the thing. When everything is out of order, the church is supposed to lead the charge. Amen. We're supposed to stand up and say, no, we see a day ahead that's greater than the day that we're in right now because we know a Lord that's greater than this, this world. Amen. Come on, somebody. So I'm not afraid and I'm not ashamed of when things happen in the world and I don't get scared, even though if we're being honest, if I'm being honest, over the past few weeks, months, had a little bit of fear, amen. But something happened a couple of weeks ago, um, and, and I kind of came to the head with this thing, and, and it just kind of hit me, and, and basically, I had this moment where I was like, you know what, Lord? It's not that I don't want to acknowledge what's happening in the world, but I don't want to keep wrapping my conversation around it to consume me. Amen? Not that I won't conversate and I don't want to talk about it. I want to see action, right? Real, true action, not just talking. But on the other side of that, I feel like, and I have been saying, and I've been questioning, Lord, what is my voice to be in this time? And one of, the Lord, one of the things the Lord challenged me with, he said, Fred, in this time, I want you to be a voice that encourages faith. I want you to be a, a voice that encourages people to take the leap of faith and do what God, what I'm asking them to do. Because for so many of us, we, we are so stuck in our rut that we will never move out of what we're going in. Amen. But how many of you know that God can do anything? Somebody say anything. Somebody say, anything is possible. So we're starting a new series today called Anything is Possible. This series is really based about faith. My hope and goal in this series is that you would get stirred up so much in your faith that you would go out here and do the impossible. Amen. 
I would love nothing more but to see some people buy houses, cars, land, all that kind of stuff. I love to see people start businesses. I love to see people go and change the narrative of their life because they believe that God could and God did. Amen. And so I, I believe that as a church, as a pastor, it is my job over the next, I don't know how many long, how many weeks, but my job to inspire faith in us as a people. Come on, somebody. So here's where we are. Today we're starting a series called Anything is Possible. I'm going to say anything is possible. But I'm preaching the message called That's Just Not Possible. <laughs> what? I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. The title of my message of this first series called Anything is Possible is That's Just Not Possible. Come on, somebody. We're going to start reading in John chapter 11, and we're going to read verse 45 through 53, and it reads like this. It says this. When you get there, say amen or I got it. It reads like this. It says, many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. Some say believed in him. Some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, what are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone, somebody say everyone. Come on now. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But none of them, Suffice, or whatever his name was, who was the high priest, but one of them who was the high priest that year said to them, you know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who were scattered abroad. From that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Somebody say, from that day on. Let's pray, Lord. Thank you for what you're going to say and do this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll start a series called Anything is Possible. And my first message in this series is called, That's Just Not Possible. Uh, as a kid, I remember um, something would happen, and I would always try and figure out how to see what was happening, right? I had my older brother, when he was getting a spanking, I would try to sneak to see him getting a spanking. My younger brother would get a spanking. I'd sneak around the corner to see him get a spanking. When I would get a spanking, I'd run and hide. Um, according to the adults in my life at that time, they would call me, they would call, I was what they would call nosy. Somebody say nosy. Anybody here nosy? Anybody got nosy children? Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. They would call me nosy. They would be, look at me and they say, get out of grown folk business. Go on to the back room. 
it's a A and B conversation, see your way out, amen? Uh, and m- many times things would happen and I would always be trying to figure out, I always want to know what was going on, they would call me nosy. And I'm always trying to figure out the business. And maybe that just wasn't me, maybe that was all of us, you know. On some level we all are a little bit nosy. Come on somebody. Can you say that? I'm a little bit nosy. Just just tell me. You want me to prove it? I can tell you you nosy just a little bit. Let you be driving down the road and see a car accident on the other side of the road. We all, <laughs> right, you nosy, right? Because you're slowing down just a little bit. Don't you hate those people? that slow down the traffic for an accident that's like five lanes over, and you're like, bro, we are, we are we're like 10 lanes over. Why are you looking over there? You can't even see there's a wall in between y'all. You, they just know, they just got like a spider sense. They can sense the accident over there. Um, drive down the road and see an accident and watch how slow you start driving. Just, we love to be in other people's business. Because we always try to figure out what's going on. Now, we could look at that as a bad thing, or we could look at it as a good thing, because when we look at it in the light of a good thing, we realize that in everybody there's this sense of discovery. There's this sense of wanting to know about the world, wanting to discover new things and encounter new things. There's a a, a very basic faith in all of us that allows us and drives us to want to try things and see things that we've never seen before. Amen? The key to a changing your life is exposure. Somebody say exposure. How many of you know that if you never get exposed to something new, you'll never know what new feels like? Y'all quiet in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen? The truth is, I can sit in my corner all day long and do nothing, and, it's, and, and it's, even as much as I expect something different, nothing will ever change. It's not until I'm willing to take a risk and step out of my comfort zone and see a world that I've never seen before that I, don't, that I begin to experience life change. And life change happens in many ways. It happens by changing your mindset, by giving you opportunities that you never had, by letting you see other people that you never thought you'd see. Amen? When I first went on my, when I went on my first plane ride, I was scared terrified somebody say terrified the first time I flew I flew into San Francisco and it was a red-eye flight who would do this to a guy like me right they're like we need you to come to California you got to play the drums I'm like okay all right (laughs) I'm about to do this thing get on the plane I'm like oh no I listened to um uh the voice of truth the whole time on repeat but the voice of truth tells me a difference because I thought I was gonna die the whole time just I was I was I knew I was dying and so I'm on the plane, and, and we take off with flying to San Francisco. And if you know anything about flying into San Francisco, the runway is on the water. It kind of ends on the water. So I'm looking out the window, and all I see is us going down, and I see no lights, no city, no nothing. I'm like, are we? We're dying. <laughs> it's over with. I'm done. And I'm turning the music up, but the voice up. At least I'm going to heaven. Amen. And I land there, 
and I see a whole new world, a whole different experience, things I had never seen before, hills that I had never seen before, going over the Golden, Golden Gate Bridge, whatever it is, uh, just, just experiencing thing after thing before uh, that I'd never experienced before, but that exposure opened me up to a whole new world. It took a fear out of me of trying things. After that, I was like, shoot, we're going on a plane ride. It's time to go. Amen. But everybody in here, every one of us, everybody listening by the internet, we all have this sense of discovery. And if we never meet that need, then we'll never really truly experience the change and the things that God wants us to do in our life. Somebody say anything is possible. As we enter into John um, eleven forty five, we stepped into a moment where Jesus has just literally blown the minds of the people listening. I'm going to give you the quick version. Here's what happened. Jesus and his disciples are doing ministry. Lazarus gets ill. He gets sick. His sister sent word to Jesus. Jesus waits for two additional days before he journeys to go heal Lazarus. Why did he wait? Because in that time they believed that the body, the spirit stuck around for about three or four days. It just hovered. That a person truly wasn't dead until day four. Right? How many of you know that the Lord knows what he needs to do when he needs to do it? Amen. We think he's late, but he's on time. And so Jesus waits two additional days because he wants to make sure the people know that he's dead, dead. Somebody said dead, dead. He did, bro. <laughs> and then he journeys to the place where Lazarus' body is, and Jesus tells his disciples on his way there, he says, he's sleeping. He goes over their head. They, ain't even, they don't know what's happening. He finally says to, says to him, he says, Lazarus is dead. Somebody says, he's dead. Thomas does the Thomas thing and says, let's go die with him, because that's Thomas, you know. You always got them people that's like, I'm just... You know, you call them, and you sad, and then they get sad, and then everybody's sad, and they all, y'all all ready to go be sad together. You got Thomases in your life. So Thomas does his thing. Thomas does, let's go die with him. He shows up, and both sisters, both Marys, got a slight attitude with Jesus, right? I can just, they just pop in their head, and, and they mad, and rightfully so, because the one they love. Jesus, Lazarus is the one that Je they said that Jesus loved dearly. And he shows up and he's dead. Somebody say he's dead. Uh, some of the roughest moments in life are when you are waiting on a miracle that you need now, but God's timing is later. Can I say that one more time? Because That needs to land a little bit more. Some of the roughest moments in life are when you are waiting on a miracle that you need now, but God's timing is later. Somebody said God's timing is later. So at this point, Lazarus has been dead four days, and Jesus weeps. Somebody say he weeps. Shortest scripture in the Bible. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Almighty shows love in such a tangible way that it needed its own verse. He weeps. Somebody say he weeps. After he weeps, he instructs them to roll the stone away. Somebody say, roll the stone away. 
And then he calls Lazarus forth. And the Bible says the man who was dead for four days came out of the tomb. Now tell me, if you wasn't a bystander, you wouldn't be interested in seeing this. I am literally putting on my nose and spirit and going out there. What is going on? They rolling a stone away? Bro, it's about to go down. So he goes out there. This is exactly what happened. The people uh, saw this. They were in, in, out and about, and they see this stone being rolled away. And what happens here, uh, they see this miracle, and their belief systems were shifted because of a miracle, which is the only way to explain what just happened, because what just happened was not possible. Somebody said not possible. While we're on the topic of miracles, can I say something that you are a miracle? Somebody say, you're a miracle. Tell somebody on your left and right, say, I'm a miracle. You are a miracle. I don't know about you, but much of my life has told me things are not possible. Somebody say, things are not possible. My life told me that I wouldn't be a good dad because I was raised without my father. And that's just not possible. But how many of you know I'm a miracle? Somebody say, I'm a miracle. My life told me that I'm, I wouldn't be a good husband because I've never seen a successful marriage in my family. But how many of you know I'm a miracle? Somebody say, I'm a miracle. My life told me that I'd never amount to anything, that I'd be a statistic in jail as a young man. But how many of you know I'm a miracle? My life told me that I'd never be able to lead people or pastor people or whatever I need to do because I always fail at something. I never finish strong. But how many of you know I'm a miracle? Somebody say, I'm a miracle. I don't know what you, listen, some of y'all have been told thing after thing after thing, but you need to learn how to stand up day by day, night by night, and tell yourself, I'm a miracle. No, I didn't get it right the first time. No, I don't get it right all the time, but I'm still, or somebody say, I'm still a miracle. I still am a miracle. I wish you would testify of the goodness of Jesus, because you shouldn't be here. We shouldn't be here. If I could just stir up your faith. You know, when you're having hard times and, you, and it's hard to believe that things are going to change, just rely on this. You should not be here. But God saw fit for you to be here in this time. Somebody say, Jesus, I'm a walking miracle. The things about America, there are a couple of things I want to talk about, and I'm about to land this plane. I want to talk about miracles, but the thing about a miracle, the first thing is this, that miracles, somebody say miracles, say it loud, miracles are attractive. Here's what you got to understand. They came to mourn Lazarus' death, but they witnessed Lazarus' resurrection. They came to mourn the death, but they were privy to witness a miracle. Somebody say a miracle. Can I tell you something? There are people who are banking and planning on your failure. Yep. They want nothing more but to see you fall flat on your face. And they are showing up with their popcorn 
with their Michael Jackson face, with their Kermit T, whatever it may be. Come on, somebody. And they are waiting for you to fall flat on your face. But how many of you know when God steps in the picture, they're going to see your victory? Amen. Y'all quiet in the house of the Lord today. I don't know about y'all, but see, I've been feeling this thing because I'm so tired of being told by the world that I need to be depressed and defeated and sad and uh, all these things and that nothing's going to work out and that I just have to accept the, it is the way it is. The devil is a liar. I don't have to accept that things are the way they are and they're going to stay that way. The devil is a liar. Jesus is king. He is Lord. And because I serve my king, come on somebody, I know my king will take care of me. And so I'm not worried about what's happening in the world, the state of the world. I'm not going to let that continue to direct my life. What do you mean? No, it's not that I'm not going to acknowledge it. I'm just not going to let it shape my belief about what the world could be and what God can do. Somebody say can. Miracles are attractive. The people who want to watch your failure but they're going to witness your freedom Come on now. They want to watch your de demise, but they're going to witness your, your, uh, uh, your, your domination. Somebody said domination. You fall flat on your face. But how many do you know? Hold on. Just because they show up to watch you fail don't mean you got to fail. Everybody loves to come to see somebody on fire. Not meaning people want to help the person on fire. We all like to watch a fire. Come on, somebody. Miracles are attractive. The other thing about miracles is this. I got to say this because you need to hear this. Miracles produce believers and haters. Somebody say believers and haters. What do you mean? Both responses have a purpose. Did you hear that? Both responses have, have a purpose. Yes, we need people to believe in us. Yes, I want people to celebrate what God's doing in my life. Amen? But sometimes... Your greatest opportunity is on the other side of your greatest hater. That, that was good right there. I need to put that on the shirt. <laughs> Without haters, there wouldn't have been a plan put in place for Jesus to die. Come on, somebody. Listen, you need haters too. You know when somebody hating on you, hating on you, hating on your relationship, hating on whatever it may be, just, just call them and say, I, I needed you today, hater. It's that old uh, Canton Jones song. You need to play that song. It's a song called, I'm going to do something good for my hater today. Because we need to celebrate when people hate on us. We need to learn how to lift our hands and say, thank you, Jesus, they're hating on me. 
I felt that in my shanana. See, we get upset. We get mad. Oh, man, I'm the one fight the world. I'm mad. And Jesus is like, uh, you need haters too. If everything in your life is all about how much people celebrate you, you'll never be told the truth and you'll never be grown. Come on, somebody. I don't want to live a life where I can't depend on people to tell me the truth. Now, now some of the haters ain't going to tell you the truth. We, we know them folks. But there's some folk that we call haters that are really just truth tellers. <laughs> you a hater. No, I'm sorry. I'm not really a hater. Them shoes don't match that shirt. It's just plain as if you got on bright orange shoes with a red shirt. Let's not do that, okay? That's not hating. That's truth telling. Amen. See, here's the thing. And this is why I want to land this. Without haters, there wouldn't have been a plan to put Jesus to death. But sometimes your haters are necessary because your haters give you a glimpse of your future. Okay? Listen, somebody say anything is possible. What they thought they were planning, they thought they were planning. Somebody say they thought they were planning. But they were really prophesying. Now, I know we get caught up in the word prophesy. I know people want to start hitting space bar and log off right now. You hear the word prophesy. Oh, my God. He's about to start prophesying to people. But here's the thing. Why were they prophesying? Because it wasn't possible for Jesus to be put to death. It wasn't possible for Jesus to be put to death. So they had to plan to put him to death. And they were planning to put him in the grave, but what they written didn't realize is that the grave couldn't hold him. It was literally impossible to kill the Savior. Somebody say, impossible. Somebody say, it's just not possible. So here's what happens. They plan to take him out, and Jesus is on the other side saying, I'm fulfilling the will of God. They planned, but they were really prophesying. Somebody say prophesy. They were planning for it to be over with, not knowing that if they killed one man, he would save the world. They thought if we take his voice now, We can stop him from saving everybody. But what they didn't realize, come on somebody, is that when they were to end his walk naturally, see, you cannot kill the son of God. It's virtually impossible. And so what happens here? Is they plan for it to be over, but Jesus says, nope, I ain't done yet. See, they weren't really paying attention to the miracle that just happened in front of them because Jesus was literally showing them 
what was about to happen with him through Lazarus. Jesus had performed all these miracles. But listen, listen. Up until that day, to my knowledge, nobody that Jesus had raised from the dead had been dead for four days. And over and over, over and over, people was questioning and trying to figure out who this man was. And then he shows up and he performs this miracle and people are like, oh, we gotta kill him, we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go. But you cannot stop a miracle from the Lord. So, to land this thing, as we are going to unpack this next few weeks, however long it may be, as we're going to unpack these thoughts on faith, I just wanted to start this thing off by reminding you that you are a miracle. Somebody say, I'm a miracle. I know it's it's hard, isn't it? I know sometimes it's hard to believe that. I know, especially over the last few weeks, it's been much, much more difficult to believe the, that God can do the impossible. The other day I found myself sitting and just thinking, what's going to happen in this world when when November hits, can we just be honest? Let's just, let's just talk. I was sitting there thinking, man, November going to be a crazy month. And I told somebody, it might be Aaron, I was like, I'm, I'm afraid we might have our first civil war while we're alive. Because things have just, it's, it's craziness just happening. And I hear things going on and I see it and, and then the Lord reminds me, Fred, I'm for you. I'm still here for you. I still got your back. I'm still watching over you. And no matter what happens in the world, anything is possible. Anything is possible. No matter what happens in the world, I'm still your champion. All these things the Lord's been saying. And I think we need to recognize that. Can you stand for a minute?